Weir's World, the All Ears podcast, in association with Hoppy's Dry Suit Services, keeping you dry in the wet stuff. For more information, search Hoppy's Dry Suit Services on Facebook. Welcome to Weir's World, the All Ears podcast, which will take you on a roller coaster journey around the world. Follow me from Beijing to New York City and back as I share my tales to tell, encompassing the 10 years of Gliadric and the Kabbalistic Cavalry, as well as touring with some well known faces. From celebrity stories to travel nightmares, We'll be reminiscing on the ridiculousness of it all, with special guests jumping in along the way. All Ears is your new favourite weekly podcast. Hello again. Oh, you've oh, started off this time, yeah? Yeah, well, why not? In fact, you do the same and we'll pick one. Hello, Ali. Oh, you're starting off, are you? <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, man? I'm good, I'm good. How's things this week? You alright? Oh, man, just cracking on, you know, all the usual. Yeah. Um, lockdown's a delight. Well, this is the is this the first one we're recording in a lockdown? Is that right? This is the first one we've actually recorded in a lockdown, but it's also going out in a lockdown, which is a bit which is still pretty crazy. It's yeah. It's strange. It's the first time that we're doing it like this and this setup in a in a lockdown and it's strange, isn't it? It's a bit bizarre, yeah. Yeah. How are you coping with it? You you alright? Uh so far, yeah. I mean, people like uh like ourselves, we kinda I think the first lockdown was probably worse, I would say, because it, it's we'd never experienced it before. But now when they say lockdown, you go, all right, okay, well, back to that again. But I do know I do know people struggle probably with lockdown. Yeah. And I think it makes you realise how important our previous episode is that, you know, big boys do cry and, yep. and and that message is like ever more important. Obviously we recorded that well, more than well more than a month ago but by the yeah. time this is out, but like um, and we couldn't have necessarily foreseen that we'd be in a lockdown, but the message is just as important then as it is now, as it'll always be. Yeah, it felt weird doing a serious podcast, but, you know, we, we can be serious from time to time. Yeah, and we never know. Maybe, like, going forward, people may have serious topics that they think, oh, that'd be good, and we're always open to suggestions, and we'll, we might not listen to them, we might not accept them, but uh, we're always open to suggestions on this podcast. Absolutely open to them, yeah. for sure. What about the haircut? Have you, have you spotted the haircut? Is this a lockdown haircut? Is that what that is? So yeah. just prior to going into this lockdown, uh, my mum was on a freak out and my mum started cutting my hair, realised she didn't have a clue what she was doing and uh, my dad cut my hair. Last night, immediately after having it cut, I realised that I looked a bit like a monk. Um, however, since it's been washed and it's it, it's all good, it's not so bad. Um, the best quote of the night, while I'm sat there, my dad's um, cutting my hair. Quote of the night, he goes, I'm no a barber, I was a giner, and I cut things with a saw. <laughs> I said to him, well, get your saw out then. For anybody who doesn't understand, it means that he's a joiner and he cuts things with a saw. I mean, it's a good job he didn't cut your hair with a saw, let's be honest. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I then discovered, though, that they'd actually, cut, they'd actually cut my hair with the scissors used to cut the dog's hair. Um, <laughs> so uh, that was a delight. Do you not fancy cutting your own hair? You're not giving that a bash? You're not mm, even have to do that. Not giving that a go yet. That would normally involve just taking a razor to it, though, wouldn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, the, the only difference between a bad haircut and a good haircut is two weeks. There is that. Do you know, um, the problem, though, if I, cut, if I get my hair too short, is that it makes my ears look bigger. And I actually, I think this is an appropriate time to maybe explain how the name for the podcast came about. What are we, 15 episodes in? Should maybe explain how yeah. it came about. That's a, good, that's a good point. I've always been self-conscious of my ears. I hate my ears. If they're, 
if there was one thing that I could change about myself, it would be my ears. So when the idea of the podcast came up, Weir's World, obviously it's a spin on Wayne's World, the idea, and obviously the stories are from all around the world. But I had that idea of the kind of double meaning of all ears as well. So like it's self-deprecating yeah. uh, at myself. And if you look at the logo, obviously it's the, it's the world with these big ears coming off of it. But also that kind of double meaning of all ears as in people listening in. So there you go. The, the, the listeners have got a little nugget there of where the podcast idea came from. Yeah. And uh, if they're listening and aren't following the social medias, they might not even know what you look like yet. Mm. So follow the social medias and you will see a picture of Weir's ears. <laughs> Weir's ears. <laughs> that, maybe, that, that, maybe that would have been a better name for the, for the podcast. Well, that just makes it sound like we're going to talk about ears for yeah. however many weeks. Le- leads us on nicely, though. If there was one thing you could change about Europeans, what would it be? Do you know what I've, I've got? And it's... Uh, it runs in the family. It's the genes. It's the receding hairline. Right. Okay. That's probably one thing. Because when I, the first lockdown, when I started cutting my own hair, I made a right mess of it. And it was quite tragic, actually. But the, the end result, it was awful. But it did exaggerate the receding hairline. So that's why I was like, right, it's still a work in progress. So that'll probably be the one thing because it's a sign of one day I'm going to have to go bald, probably. Yeah, that's quite a scary thought, though, isn't it? What, going bald? Yeah, like the the notion of one day having to lose all your fine hair. Well, not all my hair. I mean, I've got other bodily hair. That's an interesting point. As you age, mm. is it all your hair that balds, or is it just your head? That is a good point. Surely, surely you start to bald in all areas. If I've got a receding hairline on my head, does that mean like my arm hair starts to recede? Does my armpit hair start to recede? And does my... Anyway, let's... let's yeah, move. let's move on to something. I was... I was doing my reading as ever this week. Yeah. And do you know what I came across? We've obviously mentioned in previous podcast episodes the World Puddle Jumping Championships. Yeah. Throwing. Yeah. What I found this week mm-hmm. the Moose Dropping Festival. Moose Dropping Festival. Now, when I read this first, I'm actually not going to take credit for it. My sister sent me it because apparently it was mentioned on Torval and Dean. Right. right. Uh, when she mentioned it and I read about it first, I assumed that it meant some sort of dropping of moose no let me read you the synopsis of the moose dropping festival Mm -hmm. when the snow melts on denali mount mckinley during the alaskan summer the citizens of nearby talkeetna talkeetna start gathering moose droppings in preparation for their annual july festival varnished moose droppings are turned into jewelry and other decorative and useful objects. Who says you can't polish a turd? Some drop-ins are also put aside for such festival events as the Moose Nugget Toss, where participants throw them at a target resembling a moose. The Mountain Mother Contest is another festival highlight. These super mums show what they're capable of by mastering a number of feats within a short time period, such as carrying a baby doll and grocery bags across a river, changing diapers, splitting wood, and bacon, a pie. I mean, it started off grim. I'm not going to lie. Like, <laughs> right, moose dropping festival. Why, first of all, why would anybody want to collect any animals? Well, not just animal. Why would you want to collect any, to be honest? Yeah. Like, making jewellery out of it. Like, literally, literally, as I joked, like, polishing a turd to make yeah. jewellery out of it. Throwing the, the moose nugget throwing. What? Like, I, I know, well, I don't know people, but I know people, obviously, like, throw dog poo in a bag or whatever to get rid of it but 
actually, well, <laughs> do, do they put it in a bag? Surely they glove up. There's no way they just go in straight, as it were. Surely you need some form of PPE for that. Um, right, and then the, the mother part of the festival. I'm not sure I get that. No, I don't get that. I don't understand the how the I don't understand how the the the, the moose relates to like changing nappies and and making bacon pies. Surely, in this day and age, like you've got to have the mother and the father. The father does the nappies and all that these days as well. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, is that allowed in theory? Or does the father do the moose droppings and the mother does the nappies? Or does the mother do the moose droppings and the father <laughs> does the nappies? Who knows? It's an interesting concept. And you know what would Robert Burns have to say about a moose dropping festival? I think he would have the same reaction as us and say that's ridiculous. <laughs> is that the best poetic line that you could come up with? It's a famous Robbie Burns poem, uh, and it's just called Ridiculous. <laughs> I can just imagine them in schools. That's ridiculous by <laughs> Robert Burns. <laughs> maybe years from now, they'll maybe study in schools the works of Craig Weir. And in the works of Craig Weir is the famous song, That's Ridiculous, <laughs> on, on that well-known album, Ridiculousness. Something like that. <laughs> Just imagine what an album that would be. Robert Burns, then. We are going to... This is a little bit of a Burns special and, by coincidence, comes out on Burns Night itself, which is which is really nice. A good little touch from ourselves so, there. So, in theory, happy Burns Day. Burns Night. Happy Burns Day, yeah. Absolutely. What's your opinion on Robert Burns? Uh, do you know what? I remember... Remember that thing in... Was it primary school where you had to, like, read a Burns poem and you had yeah. to learn it and all that? I did not do well then because... It's, it is like a foreign language, some of his works. He is very iconic, very iconic Scottish person, historically. So, so yeah, some of his works are obviously really um, quite powerful and they're good. And they do a lot of good for, for Scottish culture, as it were. You're, you're right, though. So, like, when I was at primary school, our head teacher at the time, Mr Henderson, he insisted that before we ate our lunch, that we recited, together we all recited uh, some he the, the Burns poem. Some hate meat and can't eat. Some hate meat but want it. But we can eat. No, but we hate meat and we can eat. So let the Lord be thank it. But the fact that the fact that that was like a part of our everyday at school in like this modern day is quite amazing. That Burns has left that kind of legacy still. What I'll say about Burns is though, I think that he certainly lived his life in the right way, didn't he? Like he yeah. did not. In the same way, I guess, as ourselves, did not take himself too seriously. Yeah, he loved. I think, in some ways, he epitomised the like Scottish male character on a lot of occasions. You know, yeah. he liked his poetry and his music, but he loved nothing more than you know a, a good drink, a dram, some whiskey, some uh, a pint, and yeah. and he certainly loved his ladies as well. He, he had obviously uh, tells plenty of story about women, and so he's he sort of sums up your stereotypical Scottish kind of male in a lot of ways, doesn't he? Basically, booze, booze and women. Booze, music uh, and, and women, yeah. It's, um, yeah, he, I think, uh, how, how do you think Burns would cope in the 21st century? I think he'd have a right laugh. I think he'd love it. Well, think of the amount of work he would come away with now. Stuff he would write all about what's happened in the last 12 months, something like that. The amount of nonsense that he could write what's happening in the world has a lot of stuff he could write about yeah like, i think he'd get on really well yeah i think he'd be yeah it'd be a cracker yeah have you been to many burden suppers in your life i think i've only ever been to one or two but one thing i did do uh, a couple of years ago was i was on 
night shift, and I think it happened to be Burns night that night as well. So we have uh, someone who used to play pipes on our watch, actually. So as the new guy on the watch, I had to address the haggis. Uh, oh, did you? Yeah, um, and that's <laughs> the haggis. But I had to do that, and uh, I had never addressed the haggis before. I had no idea about it, so it was a lot of searching, and I realised it's quite long. Yeah. So we were all sat down to our night shift meal, and Jack piped uh, me in. I was carrying the haggis, but of course it was cooked before then and all that. It wasn't like done professionally. I think I had it in like a, a dish. I just came out, and the dish was really hot, so I had oven gloves on and everything like that, and just a big spoon in it. And uh, and I didn't know, didn't learn it in time, not gonna lie. So I read it off of uh, double-sided A4 paper and uh, put a wee, tried to put a wee bit of comedy value into it, and uh, it went down well. And we ate the haggis, neeps and tatties. Um, so that was that was a fun one for me because that was the first time I ever actually read up on addressing a haggis, other than being a spectator. Um, you'll have been to many, surely. Yeah, like Bun- Burns Night uh, or Burns, I-, I want to say Burns Fortnight or Burns Month almost, is uh, is obviously a very, very busy time in any Scottish traditional musician's calendar. There are so many of them and I've been to so, so many of them. And I, and I think you can see and hear so many different ways of accenting and sort of delivering the address to the haggis as well throughout that period, which I love. I love seeing and hearing Different people put their different spins on Burns' work, which is so nice. There's, believe it or not, like I've been to a lot of really grand ones, really big ones, right? But the guy, and I, I wish I knew his name, the guy who addresses the haggis every year at the Occidental Burns Supper in the in Brody Ferry, he is legendary. His address is like one, like every single year that I've done the Occidental's Burns Supper, his is one of my favourites every single time. He jumps about, he, he honestly gets to a certain point that he's got the crowd, he opens the crowd's mouth and shovels a hot fork of haggis into their gubbits. Honestly, he's, he's hilarious. So, so good. I wish I knew his name, but he's, he's absolutely brilliant. The Dundee Alexandria Sister Cities Committee always throw a really good one too. Um, obviously, like the Twinning Association, which actually you know plenty about too. Um, their their burn supper is is really really good as well. The the, the way there's always a, a range of different musicians and singers and stuff there. I think one of the most crazy things is though the way that Burns. I suppose it's testament to Burns' legacy the way that countries abroad even celebrate Burns and. I did a fantastic one once in in mall in in the outskirts of Paris through the Carnoustie Mall twin and stuff too. And we've spoken about that on a previous episode. But I have to say, of all the bun suppers that that I've been to, the best one, far and away, believe it or not, is in Vilnius, capital of Lithuania. Um, obviously, um, and they have the the, the bun supper is thrown by the British Chamber of Commerce in Lithuania, and. I was first involved there quite a few years back now. I can't think exactly when. And it blew my mind. I was invited out and the burn supper was taking place at the at the palace of the Grand Dukes of Lithuania. So pretty much the Lithuanian equivalent to Buckingham Palace. So fancy and the formalities of it were like incredible. I was out there on the on the red carpet, um, piping in the guests as if it was some sort of fancy dinner, um, like here. They had a huge, like it sounds insignificant, but they had a massive raffle uh, or auction and the main prize was a holiday in the Seychelles. Um, oh. They had a message from Her Majesty the Queen at the at the, burn, at the burn Supper. They had 
it took place on two different levels of the palace. There was the level that you had your sort of dinner on, and then you went down into the sort of almost the, the basement of the palace and had a Kaylee, a full-blown Kaylee with a Kaylee band. It was a it was a free um it was a free bar all night. We love those. And and upstairs it was it was it was um wine and whiskey, and then you went down to the Kaylee and it was a free beer bar. The whole thing blew my mind. I was put up in the Radisson Blue Hotel in Vilnius. And obviously, what a luxurious place that is too. Spent my afternoon in the sauna, in the jacuzzi, in the pool. It was just, I felt like I'd been treated like royalty myself. I have to say, the way that they treat you, the British Chamber of Commerce, is second to none in terms of the way that they look after their musicians and their artists and stuff. That bun supper blew my mind. It's huge, and the formalities of it were... It's actually the biggest um, attended event annually by the British Chamber of Commerce in Lithuania. So, like, they host a whole range of events through the year, and every single year, the their bun supper is the most attended event. And how how many how many people are there at this event? So, yeah, um, it's it's hosted about around three hundred people, um, which I mean that seems quite. We've obviously been to bigger dinners, but considering that it's a celebration of buns in Lithuania is like absolutely insane, to be honest, in a lot of ways. I loved that event. It was absolutely fantastic. And unlike me, I know um, I'd pushed to try and get the band involved as well. Um, So in 2018, we returned or I returned to to Vilnius, but this time with all the guys in Gliadric. It was crazy because we took out... We, we struck a deal so that um, Ewan and Kerr and Evan played with their Kelly band, the Flingstones, before obviously Ewan and Kerr joined us on stage later as the um, saxophonist and accordion player in, in, in the band. So actually, there must have been, oh, there were, there were like 10 of us had gone over to play Burns in Lithuania, which was absolutely crazy. That second year that I was there, a few funny things happened. First of all, this was going out on TV, and I remember the camera like zooming in to Ross right at the point in Transformation Blues where his string snapped. Like <laughs> the string on his guitar snapped in front of this audience in the in the the Grand Palace. Yeah. And what he did blew my mind. He ran off and he went and changed the string in the middle of the song. Now I've never seen anyone change a string as swiftly as he did because his guitar case was all packed up. He had to find the right string. He had to take the other one off and put the other one on. He was back on stage before the end of the song, and he said he realised that he could get away with it because we had like the accordions, the sax, the, the saxophones and stuff that were like hammering out this rhythm throughout the piece. It was crazy, but totally coincidental, right? As the camera zoomed in on Ross, bang, his string snapped, <laughs> and then. Later on in the evening, Paul and I were talking, I'm pretty sure it was Paul and I, were talking about Dundee FC, obviously the club that most of us in the band, I think all of us actually, support. And we're talking about the result that day, and we happened to mention Neil McCann, who was the Dundee manager at the time. And this guy says, oh, Neil McCann, yeah, I know him. And we thought, what? We're in Lithuania, there's no chance you know him. It turned out that he was Edgaras Jankowskas, who had played football for Hearts with Neil McCann, but who also, by chance, had won the Champions League under Jose Mourinho with Porto. He, he, this guy had won the Champions League and was at the Burn Supper. And honestly, he was the nicest guy. I remember standing at the bar with him later on in the evening and him saying that if ever he got married to his, um, to his girlfriend, that he would get the band over to Lithuania to play for him at his wedding. I was like, wow, that's... Well, <laughs> presumably he's not married yet because we've not had the invitation yet. yeah we've not had the invitation yet I actually 
at the time, I think at the time, he was the Lithuanian national football manager. He, he's not now. I'm pretty sure he got sacked after Cristiano Ronaldo with Portugal, annihilated Lithuania at one point, and he lost his job. But he's like, oh, I actually have him as a Facebook friend, would you believe? <laughs> and he like posts like his stuff from the different games that he's going and watching and whatnot. Like, once again, oh, actually, it's worth pointing out that in, within our package, right, of the guys playing the Kaylee, us being the kind of musical entertainment in the evening, Ross was also to be the guy who did the address to the haggis. Ross had never addressed haggis in his life. And I'll tell you what, I've never seen that guy so nervous. He stood there, he had one of these Britney Spears clip-on mics on his, at his mouth. You could tell he was shitting himself about going on and doing the address to the haggis in the Grand Palace in Lithuania. Yeah. But to his credit, he smashed it. It was great. There was, a, there was an after party, which, of course, we felt obliged to attend in the Kempinski Hotel. We were just throwing drinks all night. It was absolutely insane. I remember Ross and I, um, I was going through a fairly difficult point in my life at the time. And I remember Ross and I sat up for like well into the wee hours of the morning. And my phone was ringing wildly at 10 to 11 the next morning because we were getting picked up to be driven back to the airport at 11 o'clock. It was, <laughs> it was quite the session. However... As I stumbled downstairs to get our lift to the airport from our driver, the guys in the hotel and the reception stopped at, stopped me and were like waving at me, waving at me. And I was like, wow, what's going on? And they were flashing these newspapers. We were literally front page news in every national newspaper in Lithuania from the previous night. Not because we'd had any scandal or because of the after party or whatever, yeah. but because we'd been involved in this bun supper for the British Chamber of Commerce in Lithuania. Like, that's, that's insane. Was that the first time you've ever been front page as the band in any country in the world? Uh, no. Like, we've had we've had our fair share, especially in more local newspapers. Uh, we've had quite a few front pages, but certainly abroad. Yeah. So I ended up back there on my own in January of, 2000, of 2020, actually. It was one of the only gigs I managed to do in uh, 2020 to play once again at the at the Burn Supper and I took my friend Jamie over and what once again what a time we had. I think the hospitality of the Lithuanian people is incredible. The way that they, the the formalities of the Burn Supper is just second to none. The food is amazing. It's prepared by a Michelin star chef. Just the whole experience is amazing. We actually did, in the afternoon on the day of the of the day of the Burn Supper in 2020 we discovered what can only be described as a beer library. So right. basically, you go you go into this little basement place, and there's like fridges and fridges and fridges filled with different kinds of beer, and yeah. you basically just take your beer and you drink it, right? But they have every kind of beer imaginable. Yeah. They had marshmallow beer, they had beetroot beer, they had mango beer, like they had every kind of beer imaginable. And of course, we were like, yeah, we've got to try all these. The marshmallow one was kind of interesting, I have to say. The beetroot one was howfing. Like, do, do they actually taste of those things, though? The marshmallow yeah. and the... Can you tell? Yeah, yeah, you can tell, 100%. And the beetroot one was like... You know, if you squeeze the beetroot, you can see all the like all that juice. Yeah. That's the colour that the beer was. Because it's a wee bit like... Have you ever done any whiskey tasting? Yeah. So it's a wee bit like that. I remember going to one before, but I remember thinking, at this stage, I was relatively new to the whiskey sort of idea. Thinking, I'm not going to taste all these things. I'm not going to smell them or whatever. And it was just by pure chance that the guy like would say what you needed to kind of pick up in these alcohol. He would say like, oh, you'll get coffee in this and you drink it or whatever. And you go, oh yeah, there's coffee. Yeah. So it was just whether that's like a mind thing. If somebody says to you, oh, it's a marshmallow beer, your mind instantly goes, well, it's going to taste a marshmallow. Or if you do actually. Mm-hmm. Nah, nah, you, 
you definitely can taste the marshmallow in it. That that, that night was pretty funny because Jamie Jamie loves a Kaylee as well, right? We'll come back to that in a minute because we need to talk about Kaylee dancing. But um, I also like I love a Kaylee, right? And so did he. And we thought right, we need to get right involved in the dancing. Of course, that means that we need to find dance partners. So basically, we found these two pretty good-looking young girls, right? Similar to our age and. To be fair, it was quite an, it's not an old clientele, but certainly old, like the average age of the audience would be quite a bit older than, than the two of us, right? Yeah. These two, these two girls looked nice. They were, you know, they were, so we thought, we'll go, we'll go and ask them. And the Kaylee band that night were brilliant. Great, a great group of lads. They were called Rare Terre, right? Which obviously is kind of Scots for a rare time. Actually, they told me a story about how they'd played, they, they were asked to play J.K. Rowland's birthday party once, which is insane. Oh. That's pretty magic, eh? Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so they're giving it all day and uh, we'd gone over to these two, girl, these two girls it transpired that their names translated as the flower and the diamond right so we're like mm, sounds kind of interesting kind of mysterious like a bit of fun Let's, so we danced with them right and it was grand they they got right into it they loved it they were they were well into it and so I'd invited them to the after party. The after party that year, coincidentally, was taking place in Jamie and I's hotel. Not that we were thinking along those lines, like, but, you know, we were like, yeah, let's take them back to our hotel and see what's what. So they said they had to do something. And like, so I thought, do you know what? They, they're not coming. Like, there's no chance, right? Yeah. I remember Jamie coming over to me at some point in the night and saying, they've arrived, they've arrived. Because So I need to point out that Jamie absolutely had it, had had a girlfriend. Like, so he was he was my wingman. Like, I, I was the single guy. And, you know, they were, I thought they were nice girls and stuff. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to Jamie's Holly in case uh, she thought anything otherwise. But he's like, you know, like, they've arrived. Like, they've come. Let's, like, let's go and see them. So, of course, I, like, we were over and it was grand and we are having a good time, good chat. It was all good crap. And as times were, bearing in mind, that was the after party. As the after party is wearing on, the girls were like, why don't you come to the club with us? I was like, yeah, damn right. We're going to go to the club. Like, absolutely. Yeah. So they went on ahead and Jamie and I had jumped in a taxi. The club was, t- the club was called, um, yeah, Sanatoria Club, right? In, in Vilnius, to anyone who's listening. I don't think we have any Lithuanian listeners, but maybe we will soon. So we, we jumped in this taxi to Sanatoria, whatever time of the morning it was. And we got there and the bouncer guy was like, nah, you're not getting in. You're not coming in. And I was like, why? Like, why are we not getting in? Like, we've come to meet some friends. Like, and he was like, nah, you're not getting in. And I said, well, why? And he was like, ah, he's got his uniform. He's got his kilt. No. Like, you know, the guy wasn't letting us in because we were wearing kilts. Yeah. So me, I, I logically thought, you know, let's take a walk down the block because when we've walked down the block, he won't remember us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like so, every good bouncer forgets the minute you walk away. Yeah, so we walked down the block and we got there and he was like, no, nah, you're not getting in. I've told you this. And we're like, what? We, I don't, I don't, what? I don't, we've we've rock, walked around the block and everything. What do you mean? We're absolutely fine. He was like, no, you're not getting in. Scottish kilts. So somehow in my absolute, I don't know, my daftness, if you want to call it that, or my wisdom, depending on which way you're looking at things, decided that we were going to get a taxi back to the hotel, get changed and go back to the club mm-hmm. to chase the flower and the diamond. And that's what we did. We got there and the guy was like, on you go. So the guy literally wasn't letting us in because we were in kilts, but he was fine when we were not in kilts. Of course, by this point, after all this palaver, they were gone. 
Like they were not there anymore. Maybe they didn't even go in the first place. Who knows? But yeah. they they were absolutely gone. Top tip to anyone traveling around Europe or wherever, you know, maybe don't try and get into a club in a kilt as much as it's a great idea. It's maybe it's maybe a great idea in other places. It's maybe just in Lithuania clubs they do not accept kilts. Maybe it's, it's maybe the equivalent of wearing trainers to a nightclub. That's sometimes strange. Potentially, that might be a fa- that, might, that might be a factor. Yeah, obviously, it's amazing though to see the the draw of the Scottish culture and 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 Burns work over in in different countries and how much they are keen to celebrate and respect um, and pay the respects to Burns as well. We touched on it earlier, but Kayleigh dancing. What's your yeah. opinion? Do you, do you do you like a Kayleigh? Do you enjoy a good Kayleigh? Do you know what? Dance Kayleigh dancing and dancing in general because I medically have been diagnosed with two left feet. So have you actually? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> But no, I, <laughs> I, I yeah, you had me going for a second there. Medically, med, medically diagnosed with two left feet. No, I, I, it's not official, but I, I would say I do. I'm not, I'm not the best at dancing anyway. So it takes a lot of alcohol at weddings and things like that for me to get up and dance. But once I've got alcohol in my system, I will give it 110. percent Doesn't mean I'll be any good at Kaylee dancing, but I would give it a fair effort. I feel you. Like I, I'm not a dancer. Like n- in no way, shape, or form would I describe myself as being any kind of dancer. But Kaylee dancing, I love a good Kaylee dance. Um, it's brilliant. It's great fun. And I actually, I really throughout all this pandemic, I just wish I could go to a good Kaylee. There's nothing better than when people are dancing and smiling and having a great laugh at a at a Kaylee. What's your favorite Kaylee dance? Um, my favorite would would probably be the Gay Gardens. Actually, you know that. Oh really? Yeah. Keeping that's... it simple. Yeah. What's yours? It's strip the willow, definitely, a hundred percent. And see, see when they do an, an Arcadian strip the willow at the end of a night. Oh my, yeah. that's that's just the best. It's another thing that so Burns poems um, and things are for people that may not know this if you're not from Scotland. So they you will learn them in school, but we also learn Kaylee dancing in school. Yeah. In primary school, as young kids as well. Is that still a thing? Does that still happen? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, certainly with me, I, I love promoting the Scottish culture and Scotland, Scotland's heritage and, and whatnot to children. But absolutely, it's part of the curriculum um, anyway. I had the taste of, you know, you know when you're at a Cayley, right? And there are some foreign people there. By foreign, they could be English, but like people who've never been to a Cayley in their life and have absolutely no idea what they're doing with any of the dances. And we as Scots, we like to take them under our wing and go, right, this is what you do. You spin, you spin this way, you turn that way, you do this, and it's and it's grand. And yep. you can see them struggle with it, but it's great, it's great to see them have a great time. And then when they eventually get the hang of it, it's it's a class feeling, right? I experienced the other side of that. You might you, you might think that's a really strange thing to say. I was in Italy. I was out there playing with a German orchestra, right? I, I've probably mentioned them, the Ossenfurt um, Youth or- Orchestra. I was out there a few years ago, right? And we were playing a series of concerts in Venice. Actually, we're playing in Padua, right? But we'd taken, we'd, which is just along from Venice, but we'd, we'd, we'd gone into Venice for the day or for a few days, actually. And I can't remember how it worked out, but I was staying with a nice couple, Mauro and Chinchi, in Venice. My, actually, I know why. My friend Marilisa from Italy was friends with them and had decided that they'd be able to show me something on that evening in Venice. And they hadn't told me what. That that t- that night that I stayed there was the opening night of the Venezia Bala, which is basically a a festival of Venetian slash Italian music, folk music, culture, and trad stuff, right? 
I hadn't appreciated how, how in some ways similar the Venetian slash Italian folk culture is to UK or Scottish UK oh, politics. <laughs> so the guy Mauro, he played accordion. And basically on the opening night of the Venezia Bala, it's tradition for them to play music from the time that the sun sets until the time that the sun comes up the next day. Literally from dusk till dawn. And it was set up just outside the train station. The Yeah, basically the train station in, in Venice. Um, there's a big kind of square there down by the canal. And there was Mauro and a, and a few different like accordionists were playing this traditional music. And everyone that was gathered there was doing the traditional Venetian slash Italian dancing. Yeah. To, to be there, to listen to it, to feel it, it was just like being at Akele, to be honest. But yeah, I was in Venice and I had also no clue what was going on. So like for, for that, to, for the time that I was there, I felt like a, like a, a foreigner at a Scottish Akele. But yeah. what a lot of fun it was. And it was actually really similar in some ways to being at Akele. Some of the moves and some of the dances that they did, it was a lot of fun. One of my funniest burn supper stories actually comes from an unlikely source. It's from a care home. <clears throat> so I was asked to play at, uh, at the burn supper at Brookfield Nursing Home. And I'd gone in. I, I was literally just to play the haggis in and, and maybe play one tune for the for the residents and, and, that, and that would be grand. Yeah. Um, and Frank, who was one of the... I think he was a volunteer for the care home, had turned... Like, not long before I was to go in and pipe in the haggis, he'd gone and said to one of the... One of the carers, one of the nurses in the in the care home. Do you know that it's tradition that when the the, the piper has piped the haggis in, they've got to they've got to get a dram, they've got to get a nip of whiskey, which is like the dress or toast to the to the haggis. Yeah. Uh, and the lady looked looked totally bewildered and confused at the tradition. She didn't have any idea about anything to do with buns, and she'd sort of taken his order and said, "Yeah, like I'll go and, I'll go and get him one." It got to the point where I was to pipe in the haggis and I piped it through all these um, sort of residents and stuff, got to the front. And the lady, bless her, had come down and she presented in front of me a full, I mean full, glass of whiskey. <laughs> like this glass, was, it was like, you know, the kind of glass that you drink, a glass of water or dill and juice, some filled yeah. to the brim, like a half pint probably. Yeah. And I looked at this and was like, oh no, this isn't good <laughs> And Frank looked at me as if to say, like, you know, you're going to have to do it. Yeah. And so it got to the point where I was to sort of take my dram and the residents were sort of like clapping and yeah. like clapping and cheering me, like egging me on almost to drink this whiskey. I promise you, it must have been about six drams of whiskey in that, in that <laughs> glass. And it felt like it just, like a bush tucker trail, it just wasn't going down. Glug, 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 glug. Wait, you actually finished it? Oh, I did it. I felt like it was a blight. <laughs> well, no wonder all the all the residents were cheering you on because they they knew fine well they like this boy's got no chance. I know, but I did it. I got through it. <laughs> I love that story. For so many reasons, we're going to miss Burns this year. I was intent. I was going to be back in Lithuania once more. Um, might have tried to get into Sanatoria nightclub without a kilt or maybe <laughs> who knows. Um, I was also. In discussions about heading to Tallinn um, in Estonia. I've never been to Estonia in my life, but I was in discussions to do one in Tallinn, also possibly Mall again. And the band were going to be, um, for quite a few years now, I've been quite keen to get us involved in the Big Burn Supper kind of festival in Dumfries. Mm -hmm. It was like a great lineup of musicians and bands every year. And and actually, we'd 
although I'd approached them on a couple of occasions and had nothing, we were then approached by them for last year, but I was going to be in Lithuania, so I couldn't do it. But this year, the dates weren't going to clash. Could have done both. Could have done all of the above, but obviously we'll have to save it for 2022. Obviously, virtual gigs will be the way forward again, just even though they don't cut it, you know, but they're the best yeah. we can do. You certainly can't have six drams of whiskey in one glass <laughs> virtually, can you? I guess I guess you could, but it's not the same effect, is it? How does it work? Would I just pipe the haggis into my living room? You could, but then surely somebody's got to carry the haggis in. So you can pipe into the living room yourself, put the pipes down and go, oh crap, got to go back to the kitchen and pick up the haggis. This, this is the problem, because I can't even ask my neighbour, because I'm not. he's not allowed in my house. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Also, do you get do you get wild haggis in the middle of Dundee City? I dare say you could. I dare say you might. The thing is, could I do maybe like a slow-mo timer? Where, you know, I, I bring the haggis in, drop the haggis, run out, get my pipes, <laughs> and then take the whiskey too. Might be a shout. And the good thing is, if the whiskey doesn't go down that well, you're in your home, own home. So if you do crash out, you're not in the middle of a care home. Absolutely, there is that. I mean, there's worse places to pass out than a care home, though. Well, it's literally, the name's in the title. They're there to care <laughs> for you, so... Do you like haggis? Are you a fan of haggis? Do you know what? I, I am a massive fan of haggis, actually. I, I really do like it. And, and another dish that throughout the year, so I don't really eat haggis much throughout the year, unless I have chicken and haggis. Oh, chicken but moral. Exactly. And if you are listening and you've never had that, try it. Trust us. Yeah, I love haggis. It's one of my favourite things. And I think people don't realise how adaptable it is. You know, you can have it with haggis, nips and tatties, but you can equally have it in... I made a cool pasta dish once with haggis through it. Haggis on a pizza. How good is haggis on a pizza, by the way? Haggis on a pizza, yeah. Well, that remember months ago when we came here and we had pizza, did we not have national, But we also spoke about National Pizza Day on this podcast at one yep. point. Yeah, but we forgot all about haggis on a pizza. Mm. That is a good point, haggis on a pizza. Haggis on a pizza is quite outstanding. What's your, do you have a favourite Burns poem? I Yeah, I do. The one that I learned in primary school, Tamish. Um, is probably my favourite, but I couldn't I couldn't tell you a single word of it now because that was about twenty years ago. Mm. So, what's the? Uh, have you got a favourite one? <laughs> he he obviously has a lot of amazing works. I've just remembered. I'm laughing because I've just remembered a story as well. I was on so a few years ago. I was involved in um, some cruises around Scotland for the National Trust for Scotland, right? Uh, and so we they basically um, charter a ship for a, a week or whatever. And we'd travel around the, the islands of Scotland and occasionally we went to other places, the Faroe Islands, Ireland, but generally we, we went to the islands of Scotland. And there was one time we were out and we were in the, we were in the Hebrides uh, and we'd, got, um, we'd gone out to St Kilda, uh, which is obviously a very, very sacred place for a lot of people. And first of all, the, the, the ship was having real problems because of the weather conditions, like anchoring, getting into the Bay of St Kilda. So it basically meant that we had to travel from the middle of the sea onto the island of St Kilda via Zodiac. So I'm sat there on this Zodiac in my kilt with my pipes with the first, Robert Lovey would have been there, a couple of others. And we would wait to be the first Zodiac onto the island so that I could then pipe all the other Zodiacs onto the island as they're coming in. And I remember there was a gentleman, he'd come across, it was freezing. So, like, you can imagine the conditions in the middle of the sea. I'm in a kilt. St Kilda's not the warmest place at the best of times. And obviously the, the Hebrides freezing. He'd gotten off the ship. He'd, got, he'd eventually docked after coming off the Zodiac. And he'd said to me, 
do you know, can you play a man's a man for that, that? A lot of people would generally, at a burn supper, pipe the haggis in or out with a man's a man for that, that right? The great burns work. And I love the piece. And freezing cold, I decided, yeah, I'll give it a blast for you, right? I played it through. I thought, yeah, I've, I've, I've done the boy a favour. He says to me, he literally, I swear, he goes to me, that's the worst version of that piece I've ever heard. Oh, that was nice, man. <laughs> I thought, well, that was really delightful. Like, <laughs> what do you say to that? You can't even get a refund. It's a <laughs> In response to your question, I have to say Tam Shanter. Tam Shanter is a great Burns work. I really am one of these people that's, that loves quotes, right? And one of my favourite quotes, probably of all time, came from Tam Shanter. And the quote is, No man can tether time or tide. I think it's really powerful in the sense that, you know, no human can control time and time will run away from us unless we do the things that we want to do in life. So I think it's really powerful in that sense. And I love the romanticism of the way that it's delivered. No man can tether time or tide. As a poem, I love that piece. I found myself a few years ago um, in Budapest. And while I was in Budapest, um, I found myself, I, re- I, I think I, I read a lot more now, probably because of the lockdown and whatnot, but at that time, I would only read when I was on holiday. And I was finding myself very much intrigued by the work of Burns at that point. I was reading a lot of his work. And sort of at that point in my life, that quote was really ingrained in my mind. No man can tether time or tide. And it was at that point, lying in bed, I was with my ex-girlfriend. She was lying in bed. She was not well. I was stuck in Budapest, not sure really what to do with my day. And instantly, I had this sort of song idea come into my head that revolved around the notion of no man can tether time or tide. Obviously, um, you'll know, uh, and some people listening might know, that that song became Fate or Form, which was the second single of the Kabbalistic Cavalry. And actually, that song was written almost as if I was Burns. I sort of wrote it through the eyes of Burns, but with some of my own characteristics going on uh, in life, I guess, at that time. It's a song I'm really proud of, and I really love the fiddle line that goes through that piece. I, I, I like to think that Burns would have been proud of that song and the way that I pinched his lyric, No Man Can Tether Time or Tide. It's still to this day one of my favourite songs to play on guitar, to be honest, and it forms quite a nice part of the Kabbalistic Cavalry sort of set. And in fact, I think the first time that I visited your new home, uh, it also features in the bathroom, doesn't it? That's right, yeah. Um, yeah. No man can tether time or tide. It's it's up there yeah. in my bathroom. I sure. remember I remember standing there peeing, thinking I recognise those words, <laughs> and then coming out going, "Now what song is it?" And it was really bugging me because the whole time I was peeing, going, "I know those words. Where are those words from?" There's a second quote in that bathroom. What is it? Oh, oh, that's annoying. <laughs> oh, what is it? It follows a similar kind of pathway. Yeah, yeah, it does. But it's from a Gladric piece. Live each day like it's your last. That's it, yeah. Now, on the pop quiz for the evening, what song is that from? Now I'm singing it through my head. Because you, you of all people, should know this. Do you know what I will? And when I get to the end of it, I will remember. That lyric is from the chorus of Nowhere Man. Nowhere Man. Anybody who doesn't realise is the theme tune for the podcast. Yeah, that's what it's from. Do you know what? I was singing it in my head, and that's really annoying. This is, this is what happens when you don't do gigs for ages. You forget how the songs go. Yeah. That's and it. it's funny, I just hope that's not the case when we do get back to gigging. Although, 
I think it's safe to say that we're going to have to do a fair bit of rehearsing before we're in any position to play any kind of gig. And you know what? It's still not even been 12 months yet since we were last rehearsing in a room for that 10-year show that never happened. It's not. And it will happen. It will happen. It will definitely happen. On that note, um, we're going to finish this episode tonight with um, a recitation of the address to the haggis. Uh, and it comes from my good friend, Alistair Heather. Alistair is... He's done a lot of work now for the BBC The Social. Um, he has got columns in The National and in numerous different papers. He um, has recently hosted the Trad Awards, and he's a good friend of mine. Um, so I'm going to leave you in the very capable hands of Alistair Heather to recite the address to the haggis. Fair fire, honest, sonsy face. Great chieftain of the pudding race. A boon the ma, you tack your place. Pench, trite or therum, weel are you worthy o' a grace that's as lang as my erum. The groaning trencher there you fill, your hurdies like a distant hill, your pen would help to mend a mill in time of need, while through your pores the dews distill like amber bead. This knife we rustic labour decht will cut ye up we ready slecht, trenching your gushing entrails brecht like ony ditch. And then... Oh, what a glorious sicht, warm, reeking, rich. Then, horn for horn, they stretch and strive, they'll tack the hindmost, on they drive, till all their well-sweeled kites belive are bent like drums. Old good man mayst like to rive, bethank it hums. Is there, or their French ragout, or oleo would staw a sou, or fricassee would mack her spew, we perfect scunner. The looks doon with sneering scorn for you, on sick a dinner. Per devil, see him out as trash, as feckless as a withered rash, his spinnel shank a good whiplash, his neave a net, through bloody flood or field to dash, ah, oh, how unfit. But Mark, the rustic. Haggis fed, the trembling earth resounds his tread, clapping his wally neva blade, he'll mack it whistle, and legs and arms and heeds will sned, like taps a thistle. Ye powers, wha mack mankind your care, and dish was outward bill of fare, old Scotland wants nae skinking wear that jouts and luggies, but if you wish her grateful prayer, then gear a haggis. <laughs>